Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown! What a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 20-15-10-5, It's time to tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McClain, and we're here to tailgate with you doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For this week's roundtable discussion, we have BYU football royalty, Himahe Mui, and the former Brazilian BYU baller, Jonathan Tavernari. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you guys having me, guys. Absolutely. The 25th ranked Cougars get their seventh Big 12 win over the 11th ranked Baylor Bears, 78 to 71 in a rockin' Marriott Center on Tuesday night. BYU was led by Jackson Robinson, 16 points, and Ali Khalifa with 14 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and zero turnovers. The Cougs hit 14 threes and are now seven and six in conference play. All right, Hema, let's start with you today. Was that BYU's best win of the year? Or do you still feel like it was Iowa State? Uh, I still feel it was Iowa State, um, but I mean, it was a it was a really, really, really good win in the sense of like they got it done. Yeah. When uh, you know it didn't look great in the first part of the game, so um, I still think it's Iowa State. But you know, this was a great win, also. JT, what do you think? There's a reason why they bring a basketball guy into a show and they don't just let, you know, the football royalty give their opinion. <laughs> going back. Um, I, was like, I, I was actually thinking about this, you know, because the last time I was here, we both shared um, that it was Iowa State. And I agree with you. But my goodness, guys, the way that they played last night. Um, and I just there were so many things, Lauren, that I was thinking about our last conversation uh, and I know we're going to get it throughout the show, so I don't want to spoil it, but it was it was the best win of the season. What it meant at that point in time, you know, we've had a couple of setbacks and letdowns. Um, but to me, that that right there is – and we have five games left, right? So, But up to this point of the season, it's the best win of the season for me by a mile. Iowa State was ranked 24th when BYU beat them at home last month. Baylor came in ranked 11th after the Cougars lost to the worst team in the Big 12 on the road. So instead of continuing that bad momentum, they worked their tails off in practice. Both the coaches and the players, I want to point out, I feel like BYU came in with such a fantastic game plan. Just just amazing. So they had to have worked their, their tails off during practice. They turned things around and beat a very good Baylor team at home. So for me, I think that was the best win of the year. So JT, what impressed you most about uh, BYU's game on Tuesday night? So a couple of things, and I tweeted about this probably a halftime and 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 towards the, the the second half. To me, the whole key of actually, let me ask you guys a question before I answer that. What would you say is the one thing that BYU needed to close out games that BYU was lacking? Him uh, and and Lauren, what do you guys think? Hema said defense, and I actually agree with that. Okay. Yep. Let's address that then. So I think that I they like did an amazing That's great. That's great. I, I think that we did an amazing job defensively. They had some punches. They tried to press. They tried to hurry the tempo. BYU was able to withstand the late punches from uh, Baylor. And so I, I agree with you guys. Defensively, we need to do a better job. I also think that the other part of the of the game, uh, we needed to execute and we needed to be able to deliver 
on key moments on offense. And what do I mean by that? And I said, you get to that eight, six-minute mark, and let's just say the last two TV timeouts, right right below the eight-minute mark. BYU hasn't done a really good job um, executing in the last in that last part of the game. And so to me, to see Dallin Hall get wide-open layups, to see Richie Saunders get wide-open cuts from Ali just dropping dimes, to see Trevin Nell, Jackson Robinson knocking down shots, to see Foos roll to the middle of the paint, and he's so wide open, he didn't even know what to do with the ball. He's like, oh, I can't believe I'm this open. I'm actually going to get to dunk. And so to me, I agree with you guys. I think defensively we need to do a better job. But the way you execute on offense and you go to your, um, I don't want to say your safety place, but you go to, hey, we're going to execute this and we're going to get a bucket on this counter or that counter or that counter. The third fourth options are always going to be there. To me, that was the most impressive thing. And so um, I think that coming from the way that BYU lost to Oklahoma State, I mean, it was a 10-point game at the end, but it wasn't really a 10-point game. It yeah. was it was a blowout for the, pretty much the whole second half. And the way that they were able to come back against Baylor, I think one of the best defensive teams in the country, one of the most physical teams in the country, and dominate the rebound and then be able to, to manage the tempo. To me, that's what I was most surprised about. Yeah, some of those layups they missed there at the end. Yeah. That was a little frustrating, but they made up for it. And then Trevanell hit a just a, a key Master three there at the end. That was fantastic. Emma, what do you think? Oh, man, I agree with JT. I, I was really impressed with how they hustled defensively. I, I like how BYU went toe-to-toe physically with, with Baylor. And what was crazy is I was, I was looking at the stats this morning. We didn't have anyone foul out. Like, they were pretty close, but Baylor did have people foul out, mm-hmm. which is crazy because they were – I would say they were they were trying to out-physical us because they were trying to yeah. make us play their game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, BYU did really well. Like, Richie Saunders was really impressive in that front as well. Oh, I love Richie Saunders when he's on the court. Love that guy. I feel like BYU did a fantastic job sharing the ball, took care of the ball for the most part. I feel like the lack of turnovers and the turnovers they created were so key in this game. Defense was stellar. 16 offensive rebounds, 22nd chance points off those rebounds. I would have never, going into that game, I never would have thought BYU was going to out-rebound Baylor, if I'm being honest with you. BYU was so physical did a great job. Ali Khalifa was magic. Loved Richie Saunders. Uh, it was a great win, but I love that there's more to come. Someone on Twitter said that it was a saying a lot that the fans didn't feel the need to storm the court. And I actually mm. thought that was a really great point. Years past, if BYU beats the top 11 team in the country, fans are on the court, right? Like, that's yeah. just how it is. But this year has been different because you've come to expect these type of wins. They're still exciting and they're fun. But, you know, it's, it's more, there's more to come, and to it's that. so fantastic. JT, I, you tweeted out that you think this win over Baylor makes up for the Cincinnati loss and the Oklahoma State loss. Why do you believe that? So I think that the way that the ex- – again, Lauren, it all comes to the expectation, right? Um, the first home game ever in the, in the Big 12, um, and you play, you know, a, a foe in, in Cincinnati that you're thinking, I don't know if they're going to be at the top tier of the conference – Maybe they're probably going to be in the in the bottom half of it. Um, certainly, there are surprises, but that's the expectation, right? And so, based on the priest on the on the non conference schedule that BYU had, 
And then also on the, 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 the non-conference that Cincinnati had, the expectation is, you know, nobody beats BYU at the Magical Marriott Center. And then to lose to Cincinnati the way they did, it was kind of anticlimactic. And then when you look at the loss at Oklahoma State, it was kind of the same thing. It was very anticlimactic. You didn't expect that to happen. I think you certainly can expect, you know, like the freshman from Oklahoma State to just go out and just have a game, right? It happens. Um, but to BYU, not to react, you know, and to have, you know, Trevin now get knocked down and nobody really come over there and, and, and check, you know, homeboy that went and kind of tossed him on the ground. And, and you kind of expected those things to be a little bit more. And so to me, all of the things that you shared, you know, 11th ranked team in the country, you know, at the top of the conference, you know, they were they were talking about the showdown with Houston already on Saturday. I mean, it was they weren't overlooking BYU in no way or shape or form. But ESPN was like, oh, the showdown on Saturday with Houston. I'm like, this game ain't over yet. They're already talking about Saturday. And so to me, all of those things in the buildup of needing to um, – needed a win. Right? We've always talked about 19, 20 wins. They are locked to the NCAA tournament. Well, we're there. And now, yeah. you know, no matter what happens at Kansas, at Kansas State, no matter what happens at Iowa State – if you just win one at home against TCU or Oklahoma State, I think you are a lock for the NCAA tournament. And so those things to me, um, another point, Lauren, that you made a little bit ago, 39-30 um, on the rebounds. Nine rebounds is a ton, right? And then you look at offensive rebounds, 16-7. to That's the yeah. difference in the game. Uh, they both had 23 defensive rebounds, but BYU had nine more rebounds on offense. My goodness. And then you also lead to Baylor having 17 turnovers and BYU only have seven. Anytime you can keep below 10 turnovers for the whole game, that's an incredible, it gives you an incredible chance to win. So to me, and also I agree with you, right? Um, I don't know how it's possible that last year we had seven wins in the WCC. And then this year we have seven wins in the big 12. I guess, you know, you do play up to your level of competition and, you know, this team is, this team has made a believer of a lot of fans that were kind of sour with the way BYU basketball was going. But yeah, to me, to me, all of these things make up the fact that it was the best win of the season to this point with more to come. We're going to go to our fan segment. We asked you, the fans, how has BYU basketball made such a big improvement from its last year in the WCC to its first year in the big 12 by the way, the Cougars already matched their conference win total from, from last year, and they have five games left. So Ben Hammond on Twitter said, continuity and development. What BYU men's basketball has done last year to this year is exactly that. Gary Wojnowski said, in team sports, the longer players play together, the better they get. I've seen it happen lots of times. JT, what do you think about that? Do you feel like that had... That made a huge difference in how BYU has played from last year in the WCC to this year is the continuity of, of the players we're seeing. Um, I'm a firm believer that BYU has never been and never will be a, a one-stop shop, a one-and-done place that people are going to come and, you know, just have a, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley type of season because that's not the types of the guys that we recruit now, never say never, especially on this NIL, um, you know, type of situation, but historically and history matters, right. Um, not to get really deep in, you know, but you know, those who do not remember history are deemed to repeat it. Right. I mean, that was my, that was my deep quote of the day, 
brought to you by Emma Hibuli, Red Velvet. But um, yeah, uh, Doom to <laughs> yeah. So, but if you look historically, when has BYU been extremely successful in basketball? And we're talking about basketball. So let's stick with basketball. When yeah. they have had continuity, you think about all the way to the fifties with uh with Munson and, and Minson and all of the guy, you know, the couple of guys that had their jerseys retired and they won back to back NIT national tournaments. Uh, you go to the 30s when they finally made the NCAA um tournament for about three or four times in a row. And then you go to the 80, the 70s and the 80s with uh Chosich and Michael Smith and Danny Ainge and those guys, and then you got to the 2000s. You know, we had a little bit of a rough go early 2000s, but then you know, from my freshman year until Brock Zilstra and Noah Hartsock and Kyle Collinsworth and Tyler Haas. When did BYU had success with continuity? The 2019-2020 COVID team that we always talk about. TJ Haas was a senior. Jake Toulson was a senior. Yoli was a senior. Zach Salias was a senior. We're talking about multiple players that knew and had been there. And, and for, with this team, I think Noah Waterman and Jackson Robinson are – almost you know the poster child for continuity because Noah is his first year last year you know his blue you know his deep blue story is unbelievable it's amazing and so to be able to see the continuity of that and then you get I mean props to Mark and Cody and Nick and the staff because to go and find a guy like Ali Khalifa that fits like a glove it's, you know, continuity is incredible. And you see it with Dallin Hall, you see with with Richie Saunders. And so I couldn't agree more. And to me, that's the secret sauce for BYU. True Blue 1984 on X said, Khalifa, Jackson, and Foose have been game changers this season with good overall play from several players, depending on the game. By the way, NCAA basketball analyst John Rothstein said, Ali Khalifa has an old man type game but it's so effective. I loved that quote so much. What do you think, Emma? Do you, it really uh, does. It kind of looks like you're 100%. you're watching an old guy play church ball, he, but he he can just see the court so well. That's how, yeah, exactly how he like moves. He's so, and I don't mean this in a bad way. He's just slow, you know, smooth. <laughs> like it, he has to be calculated with how he moves and things like that. And uh, yeah, he played out of his mind last night. It was so fun watching Ali Khalifa do his thing from assists to hitting those big threes, like. He's just been so fun to watch, um, and he's young too. Like he could, yeah. he'll be here next year, you know, which is crazy to think about. He could play another year, and that continuity thing that JT's talking about uh, gives me a lot of hope for this team in the future as well. Yeah, and I him, like I, I will compliment that with one thing, which is he never gets sped up. It, it, yeah. it, think about it. When have you seen Ali out of breath and going? I'm chasing somebody. He is never rushed, never sped up. The game is played at his speed, which is an amazing thing to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So much fun to watch. And it's nice to see him healthy. And it's it's awesome because I feel like for a few games, you're like, uh-oh, is he losing, is he losing his touch a little bit? Are people catching on at what he can do? But he was sick and he was hurt. And now that he's feeling a little bit better, it's like, oh, he's back. There mm-hmm. he is. There's his magic. I love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it's buy or sell time. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean with Hema Hemuli and Jonathan Tavernari. It's time to play buy or sell, and here's the first one. BYU can lose out the rest of the season and still make the NCAA tournament. 
Hema, you buying it or selling it? Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I might say sell it. I, I think, you know, 20 is the magic number. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's just mostly from what JT's taught me, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say sell it. JT, are you buying it or selling it? The BYU can lose out the rest of the season and still make the tournament. I don't think so. I think that they need to win one more game. I think, you know, I'm a firm believer in hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And uh, that's what I'm going with. I think that BYU needs to win one more game to solidify a spot. I'm going to stick with what, you know, with what I've, I've, I've been saying all along. 20 wins will automatically get you in because that point you were at the eight and nine mark in conference, which nobody can justify, you know, them not being out with the losses that they have coming up. Uh, you know, with the games they have coming up if they lose. But I think 20 is the magical number. 21, gets, I, I, I'm a firm believer. 21 wins get you in Salt Lake City for the first round because mm. they're not. They're, there's, it's impossible for them to be anything lower than a six or seven seed if they get to 21 wins. So at 22 wins, I think they might even break the top 16. So, And they have five opportunities left to get there. All right, buy or sell. Mark Pope should be Big 12 Coach of the Year. JT, what do you think? Oh, I, I think it's a landslide. I think, you know, uh, I don't know from the top of my head about players of the year because I think there are quite a bit, you know, a lot, a few candidates. Um, Tell me another coach that has done the job that Mark did. He was picked to finish 14th. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it, the disrespect around here, it is, you know, I'm, th- him, I'm thinking about the, the Fast and Furious scene where, you know, uh, Tyrese is going, ha, the disrespect around here is incredible. And, I, you know, I'm like, the disrespect is unbelievable what he has done with this team. And so, you know, obviously most of the time you give it to the, to the main, you know, to the, to the winning coach. And I get it right. Houston is up there. Baylor also has a chance depending on how the Latinx games go, but he certainly has put himself in a conversation and, and rightfully so, which would be incredible. Um, I don't remember now. Has he won Coach of the Year in the WCC before? I know he won in the WAC when he was with UVU, but I don't think he has won that here at BYU. Yeah, I don't think he's won at BYU yet. Yeah. And what's sad is I feel like uh, we were part of the disrespect. Not No disrespect to Mark Pope, but definitely disrespect to the team before the season started. I definitely was part of that. I, I, I was like, 14th? That sounds great. That sounds right on par with – I don't think, think anybody in the country, aside from the people in their locker room, expected this and i think that's okay i i i I would you know i would vehemently defend that all of us here right regardless of unemployment we all bleed blue and we all are crazy about byu right but i think that you know i even remember you know tweeting out and say if you think the football season is going bad you know we just waiting till basketball season but who could have seen it Right. And we couldn't. And now we're all riding. We're all riding, you know, this amazing high. And 100 percent of the credit goes to the coaching staff and the players because they stuck with it and they believed it. And they've done things that that we haven't seen, you know, done at BYU in quite some time. Him, are you buying it or selling it? I'm buying it, too. Like expectations were low preseason. And I think um, what Mark and company have done has been amazing. It's been fun to watch, and I will gladly eat my words every year if I say BYU is going to be terrible and then they end up being awesome. I will I will do that every year if I have to. Absolutely. Hema, we're going to start with you on this one. By yourself, BYU can win the Big 12 tournament title. All right. 
Blue goggles on, baby. I think BYU <laughs> can win it. I think ah, this this league is so competitive, and it could be any any given team's um, you know chance to win. I I think BYU there is a chance. I think so. So I'm gonna buy that. We've seen teams every single team have off nights. We've seen every single team have fantastic nights. So I I'm I it's hard to buy or sell it, but I think can they do it? Yes, I would buy that absolutely if they're having one of those. On weeks, could be right? Magical, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely could be a magical run. What do you think, JT? Buy or sell? I love that both of you just just literally said the the thing that I said last like a couple of weeks ago about um, BYU having an NCAA run, and I believe with you, I I I hundred percent agree with you guys, and so I'll buy it. Um, so let's just say that BYU has to win three games, or I don't know how the bracket is for the Big Twelve tournament, but. Um, let's just say BYU has to win three games because they're in the top half of the bracket, right? Um, let's just say that in game one, Trevin and Richie and Dallin go off. Game two, Jackson, Noah, and Ali go off. And in game three, everybody goes off and Jackson has a 30.9. Did any of these things that I just said sound unrealistic and sound crazy? Nope. No. And so then you translate that to the to the Big 12 tournament. I'm buying it. Translate it to the NCAA tournament that even has more gapping between for health. Let's just say in one game in the in the NCAA tournament, um, Foose goes off and nobody double teams and he has a 25 and 12 game. And then round two, Travin and Jackson go off. You go to the Sweet 16. The Sweet 16, Dallin, Ali, and Noah go off. Now you need Elite Eight. Now I. I've already named all of the guys that get major minutes. Did anything that I just said sound unrealistic or something that we haven't seen this year? No. And so I honestly think that BYU is in such a great position, which is the driver's seat. They dictate their own future. And what an exciting time it is to be a BYU fan, a BYU alumni. Um, you know, I was very blessed that I got to, to play in four straight NCAA tournaments and the feeling that you get when you are, hey, you know, I'm on a driver's seat. I can do this. Um, it just depends on us. It is an amazing feeling to just have it to depend on your own and also on your teammates to be successful. I feel like we're getting a master class from JT today. I love it. It's so awesome. I'm learning so much. All right. The last one is the Marriott Center currently has the best home atmosphere in the Big 12, BYU had a sellout crowd of 17,978 against Baylor on Tuesday night. Seth Greenberg on the call last night said, the Marriott Center is the toughest place to play in the Big 12. Do you guys agree? Because obviously you got Kansas, you got Iowa State. Yeah. Is the Marriott Center currently the best home atmosphere in the Big 12, Hema? Um, I'm going to sell it, but I'm going to use this little caveat. Yeah. I think it's top three. 100%. Okay. I mean, somebody call HR right now. Call <laughs> HR. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, man. Allen Fieldhouse is a tough place to play. It's loud. It's it's raucous. There's, and then you can throw another school in there somewhere any given year. But the Marriott Center is like I okay. If you rephrase the question to like the most consistently maybe tough, yeah, and raucous environment, I would I would agree with that. But um, man, there's just so many awesome places to play here in the big 12. Yeah. So. JT, what do you think? Uh, Lauren, I am, I'm going to say something that you retweeted a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and I said this again last night, 
Um, Dallin Hall and Trevin now and Jackson Robinson knock down back-to-back threes. Mm. And the crowd goes wild. And the other team is discouraged. And uh, you look at your teammates and they're about to tackle you like you just hit the half-court shot to win 100 grand. And your coaches look at you like, I did such a good job recruiting you and getting you here. So I will say this, there's no other place in the country like the Marriott Center. And that is just a fact. Because um, when you do all of the ruckus that we do, and you do it sober, and you do it with just chocolate milk in it, without any type of, any type of, you know, external, you know, additives, and it's just pure energy, it is electric. And I will say this, I've played in craziest arenas. I've played in Belgrade where those funds are insane. Um, I had a couple of amazing experiences in Italy where, you know, we had really big gyms that I shot the lights out. Nothing compares to knocking down back-to-back threes at the Marriott Center. And I tweeted that and people went crazy for it. Nothing compares it when you knock down those two, three, back-to-back-to-back three-pointers the other team calls a timeout and the crowd is going wild out of their minds. And, uh, you know, you have billionaires and multimillionaires on the main area of the Cougar Club acting like, you know, they're a bunch of children. And it is just a surreal out-of-body experience. And uh, and I got to witness that a couple of times yesterday in a game. And it it, 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 it flooded me with memories. And there's nothing like it. So I'm buying it and I'm keeping it. I'm never going to sell it. So I'm dying with the stock. So. And you had the word sober in there. BYU is going to be top every time. Number one, no matter what. All right, we're going to do a couple would you rathers. Because this is one of my favorite games, okay? The first one is would you rather win at Iowa State and sweep the Cyclones this year or win at Fog Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas? If you had to pick one or the other, what would you rather? Emma. Oh, man. Winning at Winning at Allen Fieldhouse for sure. Yeah. Why? Just because it's historic. Yeah. It's a, and like I said, it was like, it's, you know, if any place rivals the Marriott Center, it's it's Allen Fieldhouse. And to be able to win at that place would be amazing, I think. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Kansas as well, because BYU hasn't beat Kansas yet. They already beat Iowa State. Why not, you know, run through the Big 12, get a win against every single team. Let's go. And just prove you can beat literally anybody in the Big 12. That's why I'd pick Kansas. What about you, JT? Um, I usually like to be controversial and just go against the current, like I'm the chosen opening credits. But um, I will – I'm going to stick with you guys. I think it's an historic program. And if you have the chance of beating Kansas in Kansas, um, I I think – I will say this. I keep saying that 20 is the magical number for the NCAA tournament. If they can beat Kansas in Kansas – they're probably going to be a, a five, six, a six seed or better, and so, um, yeah, that's my that's my my bold prediction. So I would rather bet, beat Kansas in Kansas. All right, here's the next one, and I feel like I already know the answer, unless you guys are really crazy. But we'll throw it out there anyway. Would you trade the Baylor and Iowa State wins for a win at Utah if you could, Emma? Nah. Yeah, no like way, right? Wins. Yeah. What 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 would the Utah win give you besides the little in-state pride? <laughs> yeah. Nothing compared to Baylor and Iowa State. JT, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I feel like the Utah loss, if anything, it gave these guys a sense of we have to we we have to wake up that we can lose at any given night. 
And because at that point we were undefeated, riding, you know, riding high and, you know, couldn't do no wrong. And so who cares? Utah sucks this year. They suck most years. I played them nine times. I beat them seven. And so nobody cares about Utah. Only thing that Utah can say about BYU is they, you know, their football, their football momentum is great, but it's not football season. It's snow outside and it's basketball season. So forget about the Utes. The last one is, would you rather have Dallin Hall or Jackson Robinson take the last shot of a game? Because they're both phenomenal players. Both have done very good down the stretch. Which of the two would you have take the last shot, JT? I'm going to go with Dallin because I think Dallin gives gives a dimension that Jackson doesn't have just yet, which is the ability to just get in a paint and create and find something out of nothing. Um, You know, one of the things that that we, you know, I think we talked about last time too is when you look back at the Utah game when they lost, what was the play that Mark Pope ran to try to, you know, take the lead? It was a full court pass to Ali Khalifa and to have Dallin Hall catch it in momentum to go attack. Unfortunately, Dallin slipped. It just wasn't a good play. It just, it didn't work. But so I would rather have Dallin because I think Dallin would be able to get in the lane and actually find Jackson and somebody else for a bucket. Whereas I think the way that they've done the last couple of times, the Marriott Center, you know, with Jackson coming out of a high, you know, a high, you know, down, down screen or, you know, a pin down and just catch and shoot, you know, if he catches and he can't shoot, then we're going to try to have him, you know, go to inside. But I don't think he's there yet. So that would be my, my take. Emma, what about you? I'm going to say, I'm going to say Dallin Hall too. I agree with everything JT said. I also think, you know, Dallin, um, not only can can drive into the paint, I think he could shoot a decent three if he had to. I think um, he could also, you know, if there was enough time, he could dish it to someone, drive and dish. Um, Dallin has all those tools to make that last bucket happen if, if if he was called for it. And like JT said, you know, Mark Pope often calls for, for Dallin Hall to take that last shot. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Dallin Hall. And it's nice to have multiple players that you can trust with the ball at the end of games. It's not just one. There's not just one star player. There are several guys I would be completely comfortable with if they had the ball at the end of the game. Well, Lauren, right. think about this in the end of the game yesterday when we needed a couple of buckets. Um, the ball was at the top of the key with Ali Khalifa, and Richie turned out to be wide open under the basket. And so yeah. I would also be fine if you know we give the ball to Ali Khalifa and run some shuffles so he can find an open pass. And so to your point, I think there are multiple options available at this team, which that's what makes them so dangerous. Absolutely. All right. Each week, guys, we want to end the show with something uplifting. And JT, since I have you here, you had a fantastic career at BYU and at the pro level. You have a beautiful family, obviously still a fan of your alma mater. You mentioned one year ago today you were able to become a citizen of the United States how do you feel like God and what BYU stands for led you to where you are today? I, you know, I, I will say this, that I'm a firm believer that everything that has happened to me um, was God putting opportunities in front of me and, and see which path I was going to take from, you know, being converted to the gospel um, because I was missing my mom and dad. And, you know, when I, I came here in 2004 when I was only 16. And I met, the, you know, I, I found I knew about the church because BYU was recruiting me. They had sent missionaries to go and talk to me and kind of tell me what to expect. 
Um, but I will say this, you know, you know, the ability, our promises that if we live a life worth living and we, you know, stayed in the straight and narrow path and honor our covenants, um, that we will be together forever with our families. To me, that's something that, that I believe it. I live it. And, and I do it out of love for God, for gratitude of, you know, the sacrifice that he did with, with his only begotten son, our savior, but also because I don't want to be left out. You know, I married the mother Teresa of the Mormon church and, <laughs> and she is, you know, raising a couple of, you know, sons of mother Teresa from the Mormon church. And I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be the la- you know, the only one hanging out with, you know, Utah fans, you know, not in the celestial kingdom, but um, you know, jokes aside, the prophet went to Utah and so nobody's perfect, but, um, <laughs> but, 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 but that has an impact to me and in, in how I live my life. And so, um, to, to have a testimony of Jesus Christ, of his redeeming love, a testimony of, you know, if you choose the right, good things will happen to you of the word of wisdom, you know, of, of the law of consecration. Uh, those are things that I've seen firsthand in my life. And, and what led me to go to BYU, what led me to get baptized and converted. And, you know, I chose not to serve a, a full-time mission when I was 18, uh, but I chose to go to BYU. And so I joke around that I served in the Marriott Center Provo, Utah mission, you know, um, and uh, it, it, I feel like, you know, you're supposed to be a missionary at all times. And, and to me, the gospel is all intertwined in all of this, which I love BYU's mission. And it means the world to me that it's related to the church, to the gospel, to representing the Savior and and, uh, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> hey, amen. amen, JT. Amen. Beautiful, bro. No, that was amazing. And I know you've influenced so many people with just the guy you are and things you've done on and off the court. So thanks for that. And thanks, Hema, for coming on today. That does it for us today. Thanks again to Hema Hemuli and Jonathan Tavernari for coming on the show with me. Carter Bond and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Cleon Wall. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.